Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Larry Wooten is with us. He's the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, and Larry's been with us a number of times. A proud native of Pender County, North Carolina. Yeah, I grew up in Pender County. I had a good little group in a little rural community in, in eastern Pender County called Maple Hill. I'm certainly proud of that rural upbringing and uh, what I what I learned there as a young man. And I've learned a lot uh, there and carried me all through life. So I'm proud to be from Pender County. Certainly, I've been president of Farm Bureau here for going on almost 20 years and uh, lived in Raleigh and Wake County. I've enjoyed my life here also. Now, you've been at the uh, Farm Bureau since 1999. I was elected president in 1999. I uh, have certainly going working on 20 years. Keep a job. I I try try every year. I have to be elected every year by about 600 uh, voting delegates from the county farm bureaus all across North Carolina, and certainly uh, uh, proud of that record and really appreciative of all the good farm bureau members we've got across the state that have elected me every year. Well, just uh, for uh, general background, talk a little bit about what the Farm Bureau is, what its purpose is, where the funding comes from, and and a little bit of its history, just to give us some backdrop. Well, the North Carolina Farm Bureau and Farm Bureau all across the nation is the largest general farm organization in the country. We were formed here in North Carolina in 1936. We've got uh, – there's a Farm Bureau in in every county in North Carolina. There's a farm bureau in every state in the United States, uh, including the uh, province of Puerto Rico. So it's a it's a it's an organization. Uh, it's a tool for our farmers and ranchers and rural citizens to use to advocate for their positions uh, in the in the legislature, state legislature, as well as the Congress of the United States. Certainly, we work closely with all of our um, commodity groups, the Pork Council, the Beef. Uh, Cattlemen's Association, all the soybeans, but but we at North Carolina Farm Bureau we specialize in legislative work uh, to that advocate for the needs of our farmers and ranchers across this state and across the nation. As you said, the Farm Bureau in North Carolina goes back to 1936, and it's uh, been a very vital part of our growth in agriculture. And agriculture is so important to North Carolina. Well, agriculture is the number one industry in this state by far. It's about an $87 billion industry in North Carolina. The Farm Bureau, along with our commodity groups and the commissioner and others in this state, want to uh, get it to $100 billion, and we think we're going to get there. But back to the Farm Bureau, uh, this year is the 100th anniversary of the American Farm Bureau. The American Farm Bureau was formed in 1919, chartered out of Chicago, and so we're celebrating this year uh, the centennial of American Farm Bureau. We did started that last year, last month in uh, New Orleans at our annual meeting, and so we're going to have celebrations throughout the country for the centennial celebration of American Farm Bureau. Now, a very important part of what you do also has to do with insurance. Yes, in 19, as I said, in 1936, we chartered the North Carolina Farm Bureau here in North Carolina. In 1953, we chartered the North Carolina Farm Bureau Mutual Insurance Company because a lot of the mainline insurance companies at the time didn't know how to insure farms and barns and farm and fields and livestock and so we formed that insurance company to provide a service to farm bureau members particularly in those rural communities and today uh, North Carolina Farm Bureau Mutual Insurance we're the third largest rider of property and casualty insurance in the state the largest domestic uh, insurance company in North Carolina and we're certainly proud of the service that we provide 
uh, Farm Bureau members in all 100 counties through 187 offices and 850 uh, Farm Bureau agents, or independent agents across our state. And of course, health insurance for farmers is very important and very hard for them to get, uh, especially the far- smaller farmer. Uh, <clears throat> health insurance, Don, is certainly <clears throat> something that we we struggle with in our particularly for our farmers self-employed people the cost has just continued to escalate um, we at north carolina farm bureau we sell health insurance through blue cross and blue shield of north carolina and uh, work with them but it, and it's certainly we have appreciated the relationship we've had with blue cross but this whole issue of health insurance now and the cost for our independent farmers uh, and independent businesses is really a struggle. I could talk for hours about that, but certainly time won't allow us here. Well, of course, you know, there's several problems there. One, we have amazing research going on, which uh, is very expensive, and but it pro- also prolongs life. And so we've got people who are growing older uh, and uh, need health care a longer period of time, actually after their uh, income-producing time. And this is another problem. Oh, certainly. We, we, you know, we're, we're all beneficiaries of the research and the good quality of health care we have, particularly here in North Carolina. Uh, we just got to try to figure ways to make it a little more affordable for those people that are out there paying that are not, that are not, uh, in, not in an employer group that are not uh, subsidized uh, through the ACA, and certainly those people that are on Medicare uh, with, you know, with a, you know, they're pretty good, but just those independent people out there having to pay 25, 38, I know a young uh, farm couple up in Rowan County will have, going to have to pay $3,800 a month. They just can't afford that. And no, that's, that's what huge, we, yeah. that's what we're, that's what we're uh, fighting yeah. and trying to look for solutions for. Uh, in in this state it's a big problem for everyone but but, uh, each group has to look after their own concerns and the farmer has a different set of concerns Uh, i'm going to change the subject a little bit and talk about the the uh, devastating effect that the uh, the two most recent flooding conditions we had to agriculture well agriculture in north carolina right now uh, is about as tough a and tougher situations. I've seen it many years. And I came through, started farming in 1973 and four. Uh, I came through the 80s when I saw uh, farmers uh, lose farms that their mothers and daddies had left them. But I've never seen a situation like we've got right now in terms of the disastrous weather conditions we've had for three years. 2016, yes. we had Matthew, didn't make a crop. 2017, <clears throat> these low, low commodity prices. And then uh, Florence and Michael last year, our farmers just haven't made a crop. And so it's it's really tough. It doesn't matter what the price is as long as you've got something to sell. sell. We don't have anything to sell. Yeah. It's tough. And so uh, we've, we've, got a, we've got a real desperate situation here in North Carolina. But what makes North Carolina different, if you take the weather we've had, if you, if you take the, um, the real, these lawsuits, nuisance lawsuits we've had on our hog livestock industry is really creating havoc uh, in eastern and southeastern North Carolina. And then the impact of these tariffs, particularly um, on our tobacco industry, uh, is is really having making North Carolina be in a unique situation as it relates to farm income. And across the nation, since 2013, we have uh, net farm income has dropped 50%. And so Agriculture is in a slump right now, but we're hoping for better days, and that's uh, that's certain. We need a good crop in 2019. 
Well, you know, it's the only business I know where you uh, you plant a crop and you have no idea in the world what it's going to sell for, and you don't know about the weather and so forth. We were talking to uh, Commissioner Troxler, and he said, you know, we can handle lack of rain, lack of water, a lot better than we can handle too much water. Yeah, the old adage that uh, dry weather will scare you to death, but wet weather will ruin you is a, is a yep. really true yep. adage. I mean, it's even right now it's been raining uh, – you know, for the last several weeks pretty hard during the month of February. And so, uh, you know, our farmers are getting a little antsy about what that's going to mean when it comes planting time. And, of course, as you said, farmers are price takers. They're not price makers. And uh, and this is, you know, this is having an impact also, uh, you know, nationwide. Now, we've got some trade agreements uh, that are being discussed in the news. How does that affect the North Carolina farmer? Well, trade and trade agreements, you know, but, just, just for the viewers to know, about every third row has to be exported. About 30% of agricultural products has to be exported. In the case of North Carolina, in many of our crops, it's more than that. 80% of the tobacco has to be exported. 40% of that 80% is exported to China. So you can see how important uh, trade agreements are. Uh, in Here in North Carolina, our two largest trading partners uh, for export are, are Mexico and Canada. So you can also see how this whole uh, whole discussion on the renegotiation of NAFTA, this new Uzmeca U.S. Mexico Canada trade agreement, that's vitally important to North Carolina, particularly if you look at our pork, our poultry, uh, many other sectors of agriculture in North Carolina. The outcome of what's going to happen with this new NAFTA is is really is really crucial for our farmers and for our industry here in North Carolina. So, what's the desired outcome, and what is the apparent outcome right now? Well, certainly, any trade agreement that's 25 years old, like the NAFTA, it's okay to renegotiate. What scared agriculture was when the president said, "We're just going." pull out of NAFTA is the worst trade agreement ever. Hands down, for North Carolina agriculture and for American agriculture, NAFTA has been good. Now, there may be some other sectors that will contradict that, but for American agriculture, NAFTA has been a good thing. Certainly, we don't have a problem with renegotiation, looking at it, but what's important, uh, the, on, on net, our mantra to the negotiators was do no harm to American agriculture. And, and generally, that's been the case in this new NAFTA or Uzmeca, as I call it. But now the, the real issue is it's going before the Congress of the United States. It's been negotiated. It's got to be approved by the Congress of the United States. It's got to be approved by uh, the Mexican government. It's got to be approved by the Canadian government. And if it's not approved by our Congress, what really scares us and what's got us on high alert, if it's not approved by the Congress, then it just doesn't go back to the original NAFTA. It goes to zero. And that would mean we would have no trade agreement with Mexico and Canada, and that would be devastating for North Carolina agriculture. So the trade agreement that we have is is acceptable and good for the farmer uh, and agriculture in North Carolina, but, it, it, uh, but Congress – may be tinkering with it. Well, we need Congress to approve it. Certainly no, no trade agreement's ever perfect. There are always, as people yeah. say, there are winners and losers. But on 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 average, that new uh, trade agreement with Canada and Mexico for for American agriculture is is pretty good. The uh, the the dairy farmers uh, benefited. There were some issues with Canada that we got corrected. That the dairy that, that's good for dairy. But on on average, there's not a lot of difference. In the last one, we modernized some things, updated some things, which is good. 
But now the real crux is, as I said, we need the Congress of the United States to approve it. And I'm not saying whether it's Democratic, Republican, whatever. If this is not approved by the Congress, it's going to hurt American agriculture and it will hurt North Carolina agriculture. So we're urging our congressional delegation here in North Carolina to approve that. Now, you know the politics in Washington now, and certainly – so we're telling our um, – our Democratic members as well as our Republican members, it doesn't matter where you are here. We need this approved by the Congress of the United States. Larry Wooten is our guest. He's the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, and we'll be back with more right after these messages. You've got your shades on, do you? So cool, so hip, so sheltered by frames of UV protection to show the world you are a force. But did you also know by wearing sunglasses, you're doing your eyes a favor? That's right. Sunglasses help avoid overexposure to the sun, which can produce red eyes, a feeling of grittiness, even excessive tearing. But you, oh master of the incognito, are taking care of your eyes without even knowing it. For more easy ways to keep keeping your eyes healthy, see your optometrist or visit AOA.org. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying Totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with Larry Wooden, the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau. We Right before the uh, segment ended, uh, we were talking about the trade agreements. Um, the... Uh, uh, the government control of agriculture has o- always been sort of interesting to watch because the farm interest varies from state to state. And uh, sometimes what's good for agriculture in one state is not necessarily good for agriculture in the other. Well, certainly there are always uh, regional. When you start talking about ag policy in the Congress of the United States, there are always regional issues that have to be considered. There are crop issues. There are, you know, we're a very diverse uh, agricultural country. North Carolina is a very diverse agricultural state. We're the third most diverse agricultural state in the nation. But in terms of government control of agriculture, now certainly trade agreements are one thing that are important. People need to remember that uh, governments don't do the trading. It's company to company, individuals to individuals that actually do the trading. What governments do are just say, give you the license to say, yes, you can trade with South Korea or Japan or uh, Europe or wherever. So That's why when you start having tariffs and trade wars, even though the governments may say, we're going to end this, it takes a while to get that cranked back up. And from a subsidy standpoint, really right now on the last farm bill that was just passed, we're in the process of getting implemented right now, uh, the real real issue is uh, the the, the real subsidy, only subsidy is in crop insurance. Uh, 
the, the government subsidizes crop insurance, which is an important tool for our farmers that take those big risks. Uh, in the farm bill, there's a subsidy for crop insurance, but that's the only real. There are no direct payments of government money out to farmers you know, anymore. Now, certainly we're asking uh, the Congress of the United States, and that didn't wasn't in the last appropriation bill, for some disaster payments for North Carolina and Georgia and those states out west where they had the wildfires for some disaster relief. That didn't come through, uh, and certainly, but in North Carolina, I got to tell you, I'm very appreciative, and our farmers are very appreciative to the legislature of North Carolina who appropriated $240 million uh, to help our farmers here in North Carolina that were impacted so uh, badly by Hurricane Florence and Michael. That has been a tremendous help, and I can't thank the legislative leadership and the legislature of North Carolina enough for that, as well as the Commissioner of Agriculture. The Commissioner of Agriculture and his team have done a yeoman's job in getting those funds dispersed to the farmers of this state. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. We, we've always called that a rainy day fund, and usually it is used for weather disasters, but there's other good reasons for having a surplus in the budget every year because these things happen and you can't legislate in advance. And, of course, in North Carolina, it's pay as you go. Well, the other that one back earlier when I had to testify before the House and Senate committees on this thing, they were talking about a rainy day fund. I said if 100 inches of water is not a rainy day, let me know what is. Yes. And uh, certainly the, the legislative leadership understood that. They, they saw the plight of our farmers. They, they heard from it. They saw the flooding, and, and they stepped up big time. I can't uh, be more proud of the, uh, the, the work that our legislature did in, in helping our farmers and, and rural communities for that matter. Immigration is also always in the front uh, of the, the minds of the public and a lot of discussion about immigration. and uh, uh, But uh, the farming industry or farming community has a great interest in that area. Well, Don, you know, uh, we, as I said, a very diverse state we have here in North Carolina. A lot of our crops, uh, you know, require manual labor. Uh, I've been I've been working on immigration for almost my entire career in immigration reform in one way or other, and and I don't want to be cynical about this, but I can tell you, the re in my opinion, the reason immigration doesn't get fixed, it's a it's a one of those issues. It's one of those uh, issues that rallies the the base on both. They use it both sides use it to to mobilize and rally the base and to raise money, and and I, I hate to say that, but. But that's my observation right now, and I've never been more disappointed in something that we ought to fix. We ought to fix it for the country. We're better people than some of the things that I have seen and heard going on uh, that impact the immigrants in North Carolina and this, and this nation, and we ought to fix that as a people. Well, but we just can't seem to get the political know, wherewithal to get it done. It looks like, uh, as a sort of an outside observer, with you just keep kicking the can down the, uh, you know, you kick can and push it off and push it off. But why not just settle the whole issue? As I said, I'm I'm almost convinced now that both sides use it to rally the base and to, and to raise money, and uh, it's just one of those gut wrenching issues that that you know, people use, and we ought to fix it. We just ought to fix it. I think we're better than that. Larry, a lot of folks are uh, – Larry Woot, by the way, is our guest on uh, – he's the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau. Uh, I've had some listeners to tell me about halfway through a segment, you should reintroduce the guest, so I just did that. I'm always glad to be here with you, uh, Don <laughs> Curtis. Uh, we were uh, talking about uh, uh, the issues that affect the farmer and uh, – uh, immigration is certainly one of them. Uh, another concern of farmers is energy. 
And cost of energy. Yes. I mean, energy is, agriculture is a big user of energy uh, and certainly energy of all kinds, whether it be yep. electricity, yep. Uh, electricity, certainly a, a good – It goes good, beyond gas prices. It just goes beyond gas prices, gas lead. That's the reason we at North Carolina Farm Bureau are supporting, have been supporting the Atlantic Coast Pipeline. Uh, natural gas is huge. And our farmers that, that have access to natural gas have a competitive advantage over our farmers that have to buy propane gas. And so that's why we've supported Atlantic Coast Pipeline coming through. We've advocated for more taps that will help our rural communities and our farmers. Uh, farmers, uh, as I said, you need gas, LP gas, or natural gas to uh, cure sweet potatoes, cure tobacco, warm pigs, warm poultry. Uh, it's it's a huge energy, one of the huge costs that we have in agriculture. And this this natural gas issue for a North Carolina agriculture is a big is a big issue. So now, what what's the issue here? What's holding that up? Well, obviously, you know that's uh, it's it's it was an first it was an environmental issue, and then then that issue of the Atlantic Coast Pipeline uh, we support it got all tied up in politics and getting the permit and i'm not going to go into all the political ramifications you know, the legislature got crossed with the governor on this uh issue and tried to say that it was a you know the permits were issued for um political for reasons, political yeah. reasons and on a, and i can t- i don't know i'm not going to get into all that but i can tell you one thing we need that pipeline to go through North Carolina to help our rural communities. You're not, if you're going to, people talk about this rural-urban divide. I can tell you, in my opinion, uh, what, what will help rural North Carolina, whether it's western or eastern, and you've got to have some things that create jobs, infrastructure. And when you talk about infrastructure, you got to talk about uh, internet. Uh, Internet's got to be there. you got to have a good road system. you got to have a, a good uh, LP, a natural gas is, is a part of it. Big factories are not going to locate where there's not natural gas. Uh, you've got to have uh, – there, there's several things in infrastructure-wise that good community colleges, uh, job development, that are going to do a part for job development. And so uh, natural gas is crucial if we're going to have jobs and help uh, this rural-urban divide where people can live, have jobs, work, and prosper in rural North Carolina. And you know, we 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 talk and talk and talk about uh, the rural-urban divide here in North Carolina. I'm I'm to the point, uh, Don Curtis. I'm I'm tired of talking about. It. I think we ought to take action, and certainly this natural gas uh, issue is one of them that will help rural North Carolina to secure jobs and meaningful uh, companies to locate out there. And talking to Patrick Woody of the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center, he brings up how important broadband is. And, of course, broadband goes, uh, you know, having access to Internet has multiple purposes, uh, useful purposes for the farmer. Yes, I mean, you, a, a good farming operation today, you, you, the world is your market if you, uh, if you have broadband access, Internet access out there. And, uh, and certainly we uh, – one of the things, you know, we've got to do, though, I've talked with a lot of companies that talk about broadband and extending it in rural areas. You know, you can, you can extend it. Those companies can say we're going to extend it out there, but then people have got to be willing to sign on once you, once you make the offer yeah, out there. They yeah. can't do it at, at, no, at no cost. Yeah, there's got to be a return. You gotta, yeah. There's got to be a return there. So people can say, I won't, I won't, I won't, but when they get ready to extend it, 
people got to say, yes, I'll sign on. It's like a rural water system. Yeah. You know, you can extend the lines, but people got to sign on and say, I'm willing to help pay for it. And that's where we are uh, with, with, with Internet, whether it be help from the state government, the county governments, or left up to the private sector. People have got to be willing to, to sign on. They can't extend it at, at no cost uh, to, to folks. Uh, you mentioned transportation. Of course, North Carolina, uh, back in the 40s, began to have a lot of great secondary roads, but those have to be maintained. Oh, they certainly do. And, uh, you know, as you get, uh, you know, we're reliant here in North Carolina on the gas tax to help fund the highway system. As you get uh, you get more electric cars, you get more, uh, you get better gas mileage, uh, the, the roads, the cost per mile to maintain or build a road gets more expensive. I mean, those two things sometimes are not congruent. And so you've got to... Uh, You've got to you've got to think. We got to work together as a state. We got to work across party lines to make sure that that uh, that that North Carolina will always be known as the good road state. And I'm proud of you know, what Secretary Trogdon has done. He's doing a good job. But he, we got to have the resources, and we've got to have the the plans in place uh, to to make sure that we do have that infrastructure, particularly out in rural as well as rural North Carolina, as well as our, our urban centers. Larry Wooten is our guest. He's the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, and we'll be back with another segment and talk more about uh, this uh, wonderful part of our economy in North Carolina, and we'll do that right after these messages. Home foreclosure can be a nightmare. A couple of missed house payments, and before you know it, your house is being sold right from underneath you. You don't know where you or your family are going to live, or even where you are going to spend the night. If you don't think it can happen to you or anyone you know, think again. You don't have to face this alone. There is a new government-sponsored program that may help you keep your home. Nonprofit certified counselors from the National Foundation for Credit Counseling are available to work with you and can help you deal with your lender. And this service is completely free. The sooner you call, the better your options. Call 866-687-6322 or visit MortgageHelpNow.org. This nightmare does not have to happen to you. That number again, 866-687-6322, or visit MortgageHelpNow.org. I'm not staying home tonight. I'm at school all day. If they want me to do the work, give it to me while I'm at school. This guy has me coming to work 10 hours a day. So what if I didn't finish school? That doesn't mean he can work me like a dog. Hey, man, I need a few bucks. My car's busted and I need some cash. Hello? Hello? Every decision you make has a benefit or a consequence. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the United States Air Force. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with our guest, Larry Wooten, the president of the North Carolina Fire Bureau. We're talking about uh, agriculture and how important it is to the state of North Carolina. $87 billion. Huge industry. Yes. Number one by far. Yep. People think, uh, well, what's number two? We always ask, well, I always ask a group of farmers, a group of folks, what's number two? Most people say tourism. And tourism is certainly important yep. in North Carolina. The military. Yeah. Military is, is, is important to North Carolina. That's why we work closely at Farm Bureau with the military. You know, those bases here are important, and keeping that open space around those bases is certainly important. And we have a program over with NC State and others on this Sentinel landscapes to make sure that those military bases stay strong here in North Carolina. 
Well, you mentioned a little earlier the, the value of the community college system, but also we have a great higher education system in North Carolina and the two research universities, NC State and UNC at Chapel Hill, are such a vital part of what is happening in North Carolina. And uh, we, we a couple of years ago passed a bond issue and uh, there was going to be a, a nice, nice building to be built to further expand that, that's being held up a little bit now. Well, it uh, certainly is, and certainly I can't say enough about uh, you and I and those as longtime residents and citizens of this state, the, the university system, our community college system. I think that's what's propelled North Carolina to where it is and we in this country, and we've got to make sure that those two uh, systems stay strong. We're really proud, if you talk about agriculture, the two land grants that we have that do great work, North Carolina State University in Raleigh and in North Carolina A&T State University over in Greensboro. Those two land grants do great research work. They complement each other on many and many facets. Uh, right now, you mentioned over at North Carolina State, we're building the process of going to break ground in September on a new building over there, about a $160 million building, the Plant Sciences Initiative. I think uh, going forward, uh, uh, plant-based agriculture, even plants that supply food for the livestock industry here, that's going to be included. It's going to be a huge research initiative over there. But uh, you talk about trade. These trade wars, uh, these tariffs on steel and aluminum have caused the price of that building to go up considerably. And so we can't really break ground until we raise another $14 million uh, for that for that building. And uh, it's you know, so you, people don't realize what an impact uh, trade wars have not only just on agriculture but on the steel industry in terms of cost. Cost, yeah. And, and uh, so we're we're certainly looking forward to that. It's going to be a, a, a great facility, but we need to uh, we, we need to get that project underway. When that building is finished, what will that add to agriculture? How will that change? Well, one of the educational process in agriculture. Well, one of the one of the things we certainly know in North Carolina, we haven't built a new building on an agriculture on at North Carolina State's campus since the '40s. And so, if you're gonna if you're gonna retain the brightest and the best students uh, here in North Carolina to do uh, postgraduate work, postdoc work. Uh, become you know experts and stay here. You're going to have to have facilities. And not only retaining the North Carolina grown, but we want to be able to attract the brightest and the best from around the country that want to come to North Carolina to do uh, research, to do their you know their postdoctorate work, do their postgrad their graduate work here. Uh, you know we need we need those diversity of ideas, the diversity of people to help this agricultural industry grow. And when ag- when industry of agriculture grows, then North Carolina grows. And of course, it brings in a huge amount of outside money in the form of federal grants and uh, research uh, uh, from private industry that supports uh, many jobs. Certainly, the, this administration is talking about relocating some of the some of the uh, agencies outside of Washington. Yep. Uh, to and, and when you have a facility like this Plant Sciences Initiative, we're going that we'll have over on the Centennial Campus, like uh, other instant, other parts of the, that university that are located on Centennial Campus. You just when people see it, they just are naturally drawn there and want to be a part of it. And certainly, we believe that uh, the Centennial Campus, the Plant Sciences Initiative, provides synergy for a lot of people that want to come to North Carolina. You know, it's interesting. We we talk often about the research triangle, but I don't think, uh, we, even though we talk a lot about it, I don't think people really across the state realize how important 
the research at Duke, Chapel Hill, and Raleigh, uh, uh, and how they work together. I mean, you know, the, the, uh, so many of the research grants that they get at one school are supported by research at uh, the other. Uh, I think Chapel Hill was fifth in the country in grants, but a lot of those grants would not have happened had not NC State been there, for example. Yeah, people don't realize that even in agriculture, we're, we're keen competitors on the sports fields and yeah, all that's that. Fine. When, when, that's yeah. fine. But when it comes to uh, we work close, even in agriculture, our College of Agriculture works closely with folks at Duke. There's a Duke food policy group over there that, that we're a part of at Farm Bureau. Um, you know, the, the, the correlation between – uh, human health and agriculture over at Chapel Hill is certainly – so there's a lot of correlations, a lot of exactly. integration, yeah. as it should be, yeah. so that we don't uh, duplicate uh, duplicate our efforts. I think it's important that we continue to do that. And that's one of the great things about this state and the triangle in terms of those, uh, those research universities. As you pointed out, we have some academic, uh, athletic rivalries, and that's okay. But, you know, the faculties get along and respect each other so much from campus to campus, and that's so important. Oh, I think it's important for the future of the state, and certainly yeah. it's important for the future of agriculture in this state. What, what are some of the things that will come out of the plant science building when it's built? What, what are some of the new things that we'll be able to do that we can't do now? Well, obviously, this whole issue of uh, the changing climate, farmers know that the climate is changing. We're not going to say, you know, I heard Tom Friedman give a speech one time. It said it's, it, doesn't know, it doesn't matter whether we think uh, he calls it, either good Lord calls it or we calls it, it is changing. And I yeah. think we, farmers realize that across the country and around the world that it's changing. And so we're, they're, they're adapting varieties there, new varieties that use less water, uh, new genetics. Uh, that make make plants more efficient. Um, all this genomic work that's that's being done. So just you know, just many many things uh, as you look to the future that will come out of that. All the collaboration uh, between the public sector, uh, public universities, public researchers, as well as the private sector that will that will help there. We just look forward to it, and I think it'll mean uh, a tremendous amount that. Plant science is an issue. will mean a tremendous amount, not only for North Carolina State University, not only for agriculture in uh, in in North Carolina, but for agriculture and agricultural research around the country and around the world. You know, from time to time, we forget about some of the subcategories in agriculture, like the Christmas tree industry that we have in North Carolina. You know, you get in the western part of the state, they understand it, but we don't realize how important that is. Oh, it's huge. We're the number two uh, Christmas tree producing state. If nobody from Oregon's in the audience, we're so close, I like to say we're number one, but obviously (laughs) Oregon uh, uh, produces uh, good quality Christmas trees. And and the fruits and vegetables that we produce here, all those – all those – uh, turf grass, all of those industries will be a part integrated into what happens at that plant sciences facility. We're in the process now. I was just asked to serve on the selection committee to begin to select uh, the leader of that uh, facility, even though it's not on the ground. Uh, we haven't broken ground yet. We're looking at how are we going to get leadership that will attract the brightest and the best to come there, uh, not only from across or, uh, across the country, but from around the world to do research and help us and teach students uh, in, on the industry of agriculture and, and plants. We were talking about the importance of the uh, livestock and poultry to North Carolina. Uh, sometimes when we talk about the flooding conditions, we forget that they also took a big licking. 
Certainly, we uh, North Carolina, we, two-thirds, people don't realize, but about two-thirds of the farm income, farm gate income, comes from poultry and livestock. Uh, we're number number two in hogs uh, in North Carolina. Uh, we're number one or number two in turkeys. As I said, if nobody from Minnesota's in the room, I'll say we're number one, but we are number two in, in turkeys. And so that industry is huge, and we took – a hit out of Hurricane Florence, but I'm, I can tell you to only lose 5,500 hogs when we had 10 or 12 million on the ground, it, it, it's nothing short of miraculous, as well as uh, 2 million turkey or 2 million pope uh, turkeys and chickens. We had like, I forget, 140 million. Uh, it is nothing short of miraculous, and it, it's a tribute to the work of our farmers, to the work of our Department of Agriculture. I think you probably saw where, how in North Carolina, through the work of the Department of Agriculture and other folks, we composted all of that poultry. It's composted. It's becoming fertilizer, and it's going back out on the fields as fertilizer this spring to help grow crops. So we, with that uh, devastation that we had from Hurricane Florence in particular in terms of flooding, uh, it, we, we were just is a tribute to the hard work of our farmers and a lot of other people that we didn't have more of a tragedy than we did. I wanted to follow up a little bit on something you said earlier. I know I'm going back, and I should have followed up at the time. But uh, you are very concerned about your relationship with the military. Let's explore that just a little bit more, why why that's important. Well, the military income here in North Carolina is certainly an important part of the, the, the you know, our, our public, the money that comes into North Carolina. It's certainly important for our gross domestic product here in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, as uh, uh, to Lou, we, we need to protect those. They're good jobs. They're good, clean jobs, not only for the military, but certainly the civilian population in North Carolina. Many in our rural counties around those military bases, like Fort Bragg or Camp Lejeune, Seymour Johnson, those military, those uh, civilian jobs are just really important. And so, what we know that those weapon systems on in the military is developing are faster, they're louder. Uh, one thing that makes good neighbors to our military installations are forests and open space and farms. What doesn't make very good neighbors to those uh, military installations are encroachment by people, by homes and, uh, and, 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 you know, people living close to them. It just development, yep. development certainly is not good for them. And so we work uh, with those military installations in various ways to try to make sure that there is open space and farmland around them. And then we also know that the military can no longer our government we can't own all the land that our military needs to train on and so we work with them on these large farm these large tracts of land uh, that farmers own at certain uh, periods of the year why couldn't the military just lease some of that land and train on that land helicopters flying and landing on those fields are not going to hurt so it's important that we work together here as state government uh, private landowners uh, universities as well as the military to, to find a, a way that we can all work together to make sure that it's a win-win-win. It's a win for the states, a win for the military, and certainly a win for our, uh, our farmers and landowners. Our guest is Larry Wooden. He's the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, and we'll be back with one final segment here on Carolina Newsmakers right after these messages. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. 
when I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. But I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. When we get old, will you take care of me if I can't get around anymore? Of course. We'll find a way. Are you going to take care of me if I can't see anymore? I'll read to you every day. And if one of us gets Alzheimer's disease, what then? Call 1-800-437-2423 for a free booklet on caring for your loved ones from Alzheimer's Disease Research. 1-800-437-2423. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Larry Wooten, and we'll be back to Larry in just a moment. A reminder that this program comes in two versions, a full-hour version it's carried many of our stations in a half-hour version and some others. If you happen to be listening to one of the stations that carries the half-hour version and you'd like to hear the two segments that you missed, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear those two isolated segments that Jason Kong puts on there each week. Or if you'd like to share the uh, entire broadcast with a friend or just listen yourself if you join the program late, carolinanewsmakers.com. You can also go back and hear some other programs that Larry's been on before and see if he speaks the truth. <laughs> and so, you see, you know, they can catch you, Larry. To see well, you. I, sometimes I, I uh, ask folks, I give bus tours. We have folks, and I, uh, I tell them, uh, just go ahead and put your telephones up. Don't fact check me on everything. I try <laughs> to be correct. But now, you know, people can just fact check you on uh, any number you give. They can, particularly millennials, they know how to fact check you really quickly. So that's important. Tell me about it. I don't, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's say uh, you uh, – uh, we, we've said right before the segment started, I wanted to talk about what your agenda is this year. What are the, what are the, uh, the top of your list of things that you want to accomplish, uh, both uh, not only in the area of advocacy but in services this year? Well, let me just say uh, my prayer, and I think the prayer of the Farm Bureau and the prayer of a lot of folks is just that our farmers can make a good crop this year. We need, we need uh, good weather. Uh, our farmers need a good crop. We've got a lot of farmers that are in pretty uh, dire straits as far as profitability. Uh, you, if you're going to have a sustainable agriculture, you got to have a profitable agriculture. There's no uh, profitability equates to sustainability. Uh, I don't care how, what size farm, where it's located in the state. You can have an organic farm. You can have a large family farm, small farm. If it's not profitable, and profitability comes with making a good crop, having markets available, and certainly that's where we're going to be really pushing this year, working to make sure that we get this uh, new uh, United States-Mexico-Canada trade agreement passed through the Congress. Uh, we need this farm bill implemented. Um, that's going on now. We don't need any more government shutdowns. When the government shuts down and those agencies that are vital to uh, American agriculture get shut down, it's it's harmful to our farmers and to our industry. So we, we need uh, 
the government to, to, to function, to go to work. Uh, we uh, One of our priorities is certainly uh, continuing to tell the story. We've really ramped up our communications effort at North Carolina Farm Bureau through social media and others. Uh, we've got a great communications director now, and we're certainly – now, we encourage people to go on uh, the Farm Bureau report at ncfb.org, uh, North Carolina NC Farm Bureau.org, uh, and, and look at our uh, website there, see what we're doing. I think telling the farm story is, is more and more crucial than ever. One, another thing we certainly are pushing is we need to, we need to get these lawsuits against our, our livestock industry uh, stopped and get them uh, get it fixed because that is detrimental not only to the to the hog industry but certainly the implications for all of agriculture. When you start talking about what makes a nuisance in agriculture, uh, you get a lot of people uh, really concerned. And, and these farmers that have obeyed the law, they've done everything they've been asked to do. Uh, they've complied with all the requirements and then get sued. They don't understand this, Don Curtis, and it's certainly been devastating and demoralizing to our farmers and to our industry. And you mentioned earlier the importance of the pipeline, the gas pipeline, that is uh, still being uh, discussed and is not settled yet. We can discuss that. Bottom line is we need that Atlantic Coast Pipeline to go through to supply natural gas. We need additional taps. That's what we were involved in at North Carolina Farm Bureau doing all these discussion is get additional taps so that our rural communities and our farmers can, can get, that pipe, uh, get that pipe laid that would benefit these rural communities. Uh, something I wanted to mention earlier, and I forgot to do it, and that's the drones. They can be very useful for agriculture. It's not only drones, but just technology in general. We the, the the use of technology in agriculture is just like a lot of industries is just grown by leaps and bounds. It's amazing uh, what technology has done for agriculture. Many of our farmers are have invested heavily in agriculture, but that technology is expensive, and that goes back to what I was saying. Uh, you can you can access all the technology, you can access all the new equipment, all the new genetics. But there's got to be, uh, it's got to be profitable. Farmers have got to have markets. There's got to be, there's got to be profitability, uh, or or all of that is for naught. And farm machinery is expensive. Farm machinery is expensive, and and you know obviously there's a whole behind the farmer. There's a big support group of farm machinery, seed suppliers, uh, uh, a lot of other folks that help support it. And when the ag- when farmers don't make money. Uh, it's t- it makes it really tough on that support group behind us, including the research institutions and others. Well, there are lots of challenges. Uh, so uh, as far as legislation on the state level, is there anything that is uh, uh, going to be uh, really pushed with the North Carolina General Assembly this this session? No, we, we don't have a big agenda this year with the North Carolina General Assembly. Certainly the General Assembly has been uh, has been very good to agriculture the last several sessions. Uh, what, what, we're, what we certainly uh, – we, we go – want to make sure it's not what we do on the offense, it's what we do on defense most to make sure that nothing bad happens to agriculture. We, we have to guard against over-regulation of, of agriculture. Uh, we have to certainly try to keep impressing upon – uh, the general public and members of our legislature, you know, the, the complexion of our legislature is changing in terms of urban people. Over, I think about 15 counties now elect over half the General Assembly. So we have to spend a great deal of time just trying to educate some of our urban legislators about the needs of agriculture, the uniqueness of it, and what it means to the economy of the state of North Carolina. 
People uh, fail to understand how important uh, advocacy groups and lobbyists. Uh, sometimes lobbyists have a bad term or a, a bad kind of, to, to some people. They think lobbyists are up to something, but they are vital to the legislature. Oh, they're vital to the legislature in terms of uh, educating those legislators. They, they they have so much that come b- before them in so many different ways and so many different avenues and so many different sectors of our economy. If we're not there at Farm Bureau with the with others, the Department of of agriculture and others to educate them on the needs uh, and our concerns, then they're just operating in a vacuum. And certainly that's not good policy for North Carolina. It's certainly not good policy for agriculture. So, you know, I tell our folks, uh, you, you talk about special interest. Yes, the Farm Bureau is a special interest group. We are. And there's and nothing make, wrong with that. And make no apologies <laughs> for that, yeah. just like the, the doctors or the hospitals or the um, whomever. Yeah. We're there as a special interest group making sure that uh, – when you you when you get the business of business and industry and manufacturing at a table to talk about the future of the state, we're there at Farm Bureau saying agriculture's here and we we want a seat at this table. I'm not going to give you long to answer this because our time is coming uh, up here. But uh, do you see a lot of young people interested in agriculture? Yes, yeah, so the young people are really interested in agriculture. We've seen a great influx uh, in agriculture. Getting into production agriculture is certainly tougher because of the cost of land, uh, but certainly there are a lot of people that want that are interested in it, want to be involved in it. But right now, when you have the economy of agriculture like it is, it does have a tendency to dampen when uh, when a lot of people, young young people, see what their mothers and dads are going through in terms of the economy of agriculture. And so that's why, Don, we've got to we got to work, we've got to push, we've got to do everything we can do to make sure that the uh, the profitability is there and that we get an upturn in agriculture and it's not that we're that we've seen that in 2019 20 21 we begin to see an upturn in agriculture and the prices for our farmers larry say thank you so much for sharing all this information with us larry wooten the president of the north carolina farm bureau if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another interesting guest for us again next week on the same group of stations. So the next week, same time, same group of stations all across North Carolina. Have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers.